Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. All right, welcome to another episode of Talking Ball with Pat Leonard. Have a special guest today, Todd Ehrlich, executive sports producer of WPix11 here in New York. Has a great new book coming out. We're going to get to that. First, want to tell you about Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or your, use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B L E A V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. And remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to our YouTube page at PL on NFL or to the Talking Ball with Pat Leonard podcast on Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your pods. But without further ado, want to introduce Todd Ehrlich, PIX11's executive producer of sports. He has a new book called The 20 Greatest Moments in New York Sports History. It's by Todd and Gary Myers. And even another former colleague of mine, Peter Body, chips into this. Todd, a great read, a great read for New York fans and for sports fans. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Pat, appreciate you having me. And yeah, I figured if I could collect all your fans, put them into, and all of your coworkers, put them into one project, <laughs> end up on your podcast. And look, it worked. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, we're happy to have you. And this is a really fun read. Like Giants fans, New York fans, you're going to dive into this. And listen, you've heard about top 10 lists, top five lists, top 20 lists. This is different in my mind, Todd. This is a, an incredibly unique book. And could you tell our listeners and viewers right now why it's so different? Because you really did go above and beyond here to, it looks like to me, tell the behind the scenes stories of some moments that people probably think already they know everything about. Uh, so, uh, first of all, thank you. That is a wonderful introduction that I wrote for you and the check cleared. So this is <laughs> now, I'm just kidding. No, in all seriousness, I really do appreciate that, Pat. Thank you. It was very nice of you. Um, what I, what I believe in and what I set out to do was I took a look at what I do for a living, which is working in sports and what sports does is it galvanizes an entire community so you get these wonderful great moments and all of a sudden everybody is talking about them all of your friends are talking about them, the entire community you go to buy a paper like the daily news at your deli they're talking about the game the night before of course you want to read pat leonard's take on the game the night before of course um you're going to work you're at the water cooler and what are you talking about sports it, it has a way of bringing a whole community together. So I thought that if I could take that passion and take the top 20 moments of my generation, mm. put it together in one book, it'd be a way for me to share that with my child and with other people. And I have a six-year-old boy, um, mm. and I thought he's growing up in New York and he needs to know the history of New York sports and what better way than to have his father write a book about it. So that's sort of, you know, how I came up with the idea, Pat. Um, really cool. And you were nice enough to say that, that the book is comprehensive and different. And 
So here's the way I went about writing the book. Mm. I want to take people back and take them back to that time. What better way to do that than to tap on popular culture? So what songs were you listening to? So what won the Grammy? What movies were you watching? What won the Academy Award? Who was president? Who was mayor? And then I like to blow people's mind a little bit. So it's like, what was the price of gas? You're like, oh my God. Paid cents for gas? How is that possible? Yeah, readers it, passing out in the first chapter. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so I did that for every chapter, Pat, because each moment is unique unto itself. So I start with the time capsule. That's what I called that to bring people back. And then, like you said, most people know the moment. I've been. I tried to sell the book for twenty years. You know, it's an overnight succession as all overnight successes are, um, <laughs> that I finally sold the book. It took two years to write and research. I interviewed mm. over 100 people um, for the book. And whenever people would say, how come it is that you're not coming out to dinner with us? How come you're not doing this? How come you're not doing that? Because I'm writing a book. They would say, what's it about? I would say the top 20 minutes. And like you said, everybody could automatically list four, yeah. five, six, seven of them so i said how can i make it unique so i told two things i went from the time capsule and i told the backstory how did you get to the moment what were the things that led up to it it was it bringing in a coach was it bringing in a player was it drafting somebody was it a trade was yeah. it a game that turned the corner what turned the corner then i had the great peter body who you worked with Mm -hmm. write an article on the moment itself. And then I did over a hundred interviews to tell those stories that people haven't heard. Mm. And that's like the, it has like that feel of like the post game interview, right? It's yeah. like the downloading on. So it's, you're almost re you're really reliving the moment in my opinion, due to how you formatted the book. And I think yeah. that's what you're saying too, is like, you're, you're trying the best you can to time capsule it and put the people back in time there and you hit on something I think people really need to know when they, and it's going to make them go out and get this book is that those hundred plus interviews you did, these are fresh interviews with all of the principles from all of these great moments. So Namath, Manning, Messier, Nystrom, Frazier, uh, Wilson, like these are fresh interviews from the, all the principles of these key moments that you remember as a New York sports fan. And uh, I should mention this right at the top. You had you and Gary Myers will be at bookends in Ridgewood on Thursday, September 7th at 7 p.m. for a book signing with the one and only Jim Layritz, the Yankees World Series hero. So if you're listening, if you're watching right now, if you're in the New York, New Jersey area, or if you're coming in for football that week, make sure you get to bookends in Ridgewood. That's going to be a great event, and you can pick up a signed copy right then and there. I'll post a link on my Twitter and on my Instagram as well, where if you're a fan listening to this right now, you can click on that. You can pre-order so that your book is waiting for you there. Shake some hands, meet some people, have a good time. But without further ado, Todd, let's get into some of these key moments because people coming to our podcast, we're talking a lot of NFL, we're talking a lot of Giants, and you are not short in any way in this book on great Giant moments. One that stuck out to me right away Super Bowl 42, February 2008, of course, the Giants toppling the mighty undefeated New England Patriots. And this cracked me up and hit home. Bob Papa 
telling the story of picking the Patriots. Can you take off where I leave that right now? <laughs> I certainly can. So as, as you know, Bob Pop is the voice of the Giants. And as the voice of the Giant, his listening audience are die-hard Giant fans, right? Mm -hmm. And that's who he's talking to. So, yeah, sure, they need to trust him. They need to know that what he's saying is legitimate. He needs to have credibility. However, he needs to sort of lean towards the big blue side. Absolutely. So, at the time, Bob has, has worked many Olympics. He worked with me at Sports Channel back in the day. He obviously does all the Giants TV work. Well, he also works for the NFL Network. So Solomon Wilcox has him on. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they're going through and they're breaking down the game. And Bob's listing all the reasons that the Giants could win because that's his job, right? He's the voice of the Giants. They sure. went down to Big D and they crushed the Cowboys. How great is that? Mm -hmm. Beating Dallas is always fun. They go <laughs> to Lambeau Field. They beat the great Brett Favre on the frozen tundra. And you'll re you'll recall Coughlin's cheeks were rosy red. It was it was freezing. Yep. Um, and and he said, look, if you get in Brady's face, that's the way to stop the Patriots. It's the only way to stop the Patriots. He doesn't like people rushing up the middle. He doesn't like to get hit. Well, the Giants can get home, which is rushing four people. So he's going on and on and on, listing all these reasons the Giants could win. So at the end, Solomon says to him, all right, Bob, you hemmed, you hard. You gave us all the reasons that it could happen. Who's going to win this game? <laughs> so Bob's like, well, you know, Brady and Belichick, they're pretty good at Super Bowls. They're 3-0. and Really haven't lost this year. They're undefeated. So the first Super Bowl for this group of giants, how can you pick against the Patriots? So what he didn't know, and it's <laughs> classic, is the Patriots came out first, then the Giants came out for their media session. Well, in the Giants locker room, the NFL Network was on every TV. Oh. <laughs> so Amani Tuber walks out and he's like, Hey, too, Brute, like you too, Bob Papa, our yeah. own play-by-play -play guy, you picked against us? <laughs> Bob's like, but I gave 15 reasons you guys could win. He goes, yeah, but you picked against us? So the best part about this is the Giants pull the biggest upset in, in Super Bowl history. Um, they beat the Patriots. Huge party back at the hotel. It's all packed. Bob walks in feeling handsome, good-looking guy. Cooper <laughs> walks up to him, and he started giving him grief. Then it hasn't stopped to this day. Bob, it's so, every it's time so, he sees Tuber, he gives him grief. It's so great. I empathize with Bob there on, you know, telling it. We want to tell it like it is. You're asked a question, you answer it. But, and this is an important part, I always tell people about the job. You got to go answer to what you say. But it's so classic because these guys do listen. They're humans, right? The players, the coaches, et cetera. This was just such a funny story. I love the quotes. Again, fresh interviews on all this stuff. So, you know, you had Papa telling the story of Amani looking at him and saying, our own play-by-play -by, -play by guy picked against us. And then Amani Toomer literally says, I, I thought this was a crack up. For our own voice of the Giants to be adding on to it was just infuriating. 
I mean, I love that. This right. is the kind of stuff that you just, you stand at these lockers talking to these guys 80% of the time. They're telling you what their coaches or GMs tell them to say, avoid right. talking, avoid being transparent. This is just these guys being straightforward with you. It's a human moment. It's a great moment. And I love that they can laugh about it now. Um, of course, in Super Bowl 42, you can't talk about Super Bowl 42 without talking about David Tyree and the helmet catch. David Tyree actually writes the foreword for your book, another sure. unique element. And what stuck out to you about the interviews you did with him, with Eli Manning, with Sean O'Hara about that whole uh, famous moment? So what, what really um, stood out to me is Tyree was, he, he was a great player. He was an all pro, he was a special team player. But he was a receiver in Cuse, and he wanted to be a receiver in the NFL. Mm -hmm. And he's a guy that worked diligently. And um, like Kiwi told me that everyone was always rooting for him because he worked so hard. Well, Platts gets hurt, as everyone knows. So <laughs> all of a sudden, David Tyree has a chance to play the Super Bowl, of all things, as a wide receiver. Yeah. So as, as, as you know, Pat, better than anybody, the Friday practice is a dress rehearsal, and especially for the Super Bowl. That's where everything has to be buttoned up. Mm -hmm. So they go out there, and Tyree said to me that he had the worst practice he's ever had as an athlete in any sport <laughs> on this particular planet, the planet Earth. Tumor told me he couldn't catch a cold. So he's out there dropping everything, and he's like, this is my big chance, and he's feeling you know, nervous and upset afterwards, Eli walked up to him and said, you know what? You're a gamer. Mm. I trust you. You're a gamer. I know you're going to be ready. Then Eli went on and told me, because I interviewed Eli, during the game, you have to trust your guys. If you don't, you'll hesitate. And think about it. If he hesitated on the helmet catch, yeah. Giants wouldn't have been Super Bowl champions. As, as Eli went on to say, you never throw a wounded duck, as Sean O'Hara called it, over the middle because <laughs> if it gets deflected, you're going to have three or four defensive backs. It's going to be intercepted. But Eli said it was third down. I needed to make something happen. So he trusts his guy. He threw it up. Yeah. David makes the catch. Plax catches the touchdown pass. The defense holds just barely. And the Giants beat undefeated Super Bowl champions who were the undefeated Patriots who were trying to become Super Bowl champions and the Giants became Super Bowl champions. So I said to David, I'm sure people come up to you every day mm. and they have stories about watching the game, about watching with their families. Do you have any that stand out to you? And he said, look, um, one day I was, I was talking this guy and he came up and, and he was being so nice about the helmet catch and what it meant to him and what it meant to, to his family. And, and, and he told me that the entire family watched it together. And their grandfather was given under a month um, to live in, and it was important for them to watch it together. Mm. And um, they went on to share with David that the joy of the helmet catch the joy of the Giants winning the Super Bowl emboldened this man to live another six months. Wow. And he said it's the most humbling and overwhelming thing that anyone's ever said to him. And so most of most of my book is you know reliving these great moments or funny moments, but 
this was just so impactful to me and really talked about the impact that sports can have on society and can have on people. That's remarkable. That's why all these stories will resonate with everyone. I also found interesting in that section when Eli Manning acknowledged that he said, I probably didn't give the helmet catch the proper reaction and credit it deserved in the moment. I really just kind of disregarded the helmet part of it. I was kind of looking to see in the replay whether it hit the ground. Once I saw it didn't hit the ground, I said, okay, we got to go score a touchdown. That was so interesting to me too, as like just a reporter always covering these nuts and bolts X's and O's games, because it shows you, listen, what's Eli known for? He's known for having ice water in his veins in those two Super Bowl runs. And it's fascinating to me that in one of the most famous moments in NFL history that everyone remembers for one thing, maybe this is why Eli was great in those moments. His mind was somewhere else, right? His yeah. mind was, oh, it didn't hit the ground, on to the next, right? And yeah. uh, that's the position he's playing. He's directing it. But uh, that really stuck out to me as, you know, a reason maybe why he performed in those moments because he was so locked in. I think you're, you're, you're 100% correct. And the other thing that I found interesting about that was, I mean, he, he went on to say exactly what you're saying. We needed to score a touchdown. And so I went up to David and I said, don't lie to me. Because receivers always lie to me. Did you make the catch or not? Because first and 10 or fourth down is completely different. I, I need to know what we're dealing with. And so David obviously told him he, he caught it. The other interesting thing is he said that afterwards, everyone's asking, probably you included, about the helmet catch and how great it was. And, and he hadn't seen it. So they went to all the, you know, all the oh, parties. Wow. They get home around 3 a.m. His wife says, all right, you got to go to bed. You've got a press conference at 8 a.m. It's like, I can't go to bed until I watch it. So he turns on Sports Center and waits to see the play so he could talk about the next day. And he yeah. said he couldn't believe it. He was <laughs> just blown away by what a great catch it was. It was the first time he saw it. He was the last person probably the last sports fan in America. To see the helmet <laughs> That's great. Right? That is great. I could put myself, you know, after all these games late in the hotel room, you think like the principal of one of the most famous plays in sports history, doing that to see their own play. That's right? amazing. So amazing. you go, yeah, you go back in time. Also you go to super bowl 25, you go to January, 1991 giants bills. And a couple stories here really resonated with me as well. Number one was Leonard Marshall telling you about how Bill Parcells motivated for motivated the team for that game, actually going back to the NFC championship game. Is that correct? Yeah. So he, so Parcells walks into the, <laughs> to the locker room before, um, before one of the pra final practices at, um, at giant stadium and says to him, Hey guys, you know, there's no week off in between San Francisco and Tampa. So yeah. you guys can do what you want, but I packed for two weeks because I'm planning to go to San Francisco. Then we're going straight to Tampa, gentlemen. Here's my suitcase. You guys decide what you want to do and walked out of the locker room. Mm. Marshall said it's all anyone talked about. And Marshall packed for two weeks, which I thought was appropriate. I would have yeah. too. But it's <laughs> Parcells is known for playing for playing mind games. Yeah. And that was that was a classic one and one that worked. 
That's great too. Cause you think, uh, you know, if you ever had to give a motivational speech as a coach in front of a professional team, you think of it going fire and brimstone and, you know, huge speech and calling people out. And that's such just a simple, clear message from a coach. Like well, even when I, when I read the quote from Leonard Marshall in your book, it resonated with me that now, obviously in hindsight, we know they go on to win, but you can feel that it's the right button to press, even when you just hear Leonard Marshall say it. But, you know, opposite that, of course, great motivator opposite that you have this Parcells quirkiness and just, he's going to do things his own way. And that shows up after the win in San Francisco with Jeff Hostetler, who ends up doing an interview with John Madden, but things don't work out the way that he had hoped. Is that, is that right? Yeah, not exactly for Haas. So, <laughs> you know, here's Haas and and he he's another guy that people rooted for, like like David Tyree. Yeah. You know, he played receiver and almost played in Super Bowl 21. He thought he had a chance to play. Um, and then he wanted to play so badly that he played special teams. He even um, blocked a punt against the Eagles. He finally gets his chance when Sims goes down and he – goes on a huge winning streak. He gets the Giants to the NFC Championship game. They're going out to 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 play the 49ers, their nemesis at the time. The three of them, along with the uh, Redskins at the time, um, mm -hmm. were the three best teams. And they go out and they beat San Francisco. And now they're off to the Super Bowl, right? And the great John Madden wanted to interview Haas. So he says, Haas, you know, can 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 I can I do an interview? And Ha says, "Hey, listen, here's the thing. The only way I'm <laughs> going to go down there and do this interview is if if the Giants hold the bus because I know Bill. He's not waiting around for me. He's not waiting around for anybody. He doesn't care who I'm doing an interview with, even if it is John Madden. When he gets on the bus, it leaves. <laughs> so they're like, Yeah, don't worry about it. Eh, you'll be fine." Um, so Haas does the interview. Sure enough, he goes back up after the interview. All six buses are gone. There's Ugh. not even vapor. There is nothing. They're gone. And the thing you have to remember is this is during the Gulf War. Okay. Mm. So they weren't going into the airport and boarding at, you know, C-12. They were driving onto the tarmac. So Madden comes up and starts laughing looks at Haas and says, well, I guess you were right. He did it, <laughs> didn't he? Don't worry about it. I'll get you there. So he gets on the Madden Cruiser, which is pretty cool, quite frankly. You know, that's the part of the story that he didn't think was as cool, but I did. So they're talking <laughs> about the game. They're going back and forth. Before he knows it, they pull up to the San Francisco airport. Haas is looking around. They're at a back gate. He's like, where am I? It opens up. They drive onto the tarmac, and again, this is during the Gulf War. Security was super tight, but Madden had some serious pull. They pull up <laughs> to the plane. Haas gets on, walks up the stairs, and who's in the front row? Parcells. What's he say? Nothing. He said, Corey DeHaas, he just looked at him, nodded his head, smiled, as if to say, well done, and off to Tampa in the Super Bowl they go. <laughs> what a great story. The thing I just don't understand about guys like Parcells at this moment is you had six buses, leave one of them 
for your quarterback, right? Like it, you know, yeah, you could take off, leave one bus for Jeff Hostetler. Like what's the big deal. Uh, But I, you know, such a great story. And that's what one thing I love about this book is yes. The moments in the games are the reason why we're talking about the game in the first place. But like, especially with um, when we were talking about this Super Bowl in particular at 25, it's, there, you know, the the stories people remember more and actually want to retell often are the stories surrounding the game, right? The color of what happened after the game, what happened prior to the game, what was the quirky thing that happened on the field? Like, for example, here you also talk about Otis Anderson, which I, I wasn't aware of this, but apparently called his shot years yeah. ago that he was going to end up being a Super Bowl MVP. Sure, he, you know. It's like just like Babe Ruth, his football <laughs> called a shot. And when he came out of the University of Miami, if he ever played in a Super Bowl in the state of Florida, there's no doubt as the feature back, he'd be the MVP. That's a decade earlier. That's going back to 79. Fantastic. You know, it's like he said to me, he goes, look, Joe Namath made his prediction, came true. I made my prediction. It came true. And Here's the thing that, again, it was during the Gulf War. Mm. So everybody knows with the MVP, they do the whole, I'm going to Disneyland, I'm going to Disney World. Well, they said to OJ, if you want, you can say something else about what's going on in the world and, and, and the Gulf War. Uh, Gulf War. And, and he, his tagline was not, I'm going to Disneyland, but was, I want to dedicate this win to our troops. And I think that talked a lot about who mm. OJ was and his appreciation for what they were doing for our country at that time. Fantastic. The, the, you just don't get this insight anywhere else. Uh, I also was cracking up laughing about the practice pants and Otis Anderson saying that once he got the call that season, you know, he puts his pants on quickly before the first game that he's going to get more playing time. He puts his practice pants on by accident, does well. And then Bill Parcells tells him, you have to wear those practice pants the rest of the year and don't worry about the fines you get. I will pay them because Parcells was so superstitious. I mean, what a character this guy is. I mean, he's just, it, even the stories that aren't about Bill end up becoming about Bill, right? That's exactly he really right. is. That's exactly right. It's so <laughs> true. It's so true. But you know what? He, he, was, a, he was a superstitious guy. Um, and he was he was a master motivator and not not every player loved him at the time, but yeah. every player appreciated him afterwards. Definitely, definitely. And you go even further back, of course, in Giants lore, Super Bowl 21, January 1987, Giants 39, Broncos 20. Of course, Giants, when you say to a Giants fan, a gun story. They think of Plaxico Burris possibly robbing them of one of their greatest teams of all time, (laughs) what it looked like, especially offensively. But there was a more lightheaded or lighthearted gun story connected to this Super Bowl. So Phil McConkie, everyone loved little Phil McConkie. And he's, (laughs) um, he's a dear friend. He's somebody that's helped me out for years, going back to my CBS days. And he shares this story with me. He says, look, Everyone has dreams. My dream was to be a pilot and an NFL receiver. He's like, I was little, you know? So I said, all right, I'll go to the Navy. I'll become a pilot. 
he couldn't get rid of that itch, right? So he becomes a receiver and, and a heck of a receiver, by the way. You know, in the Super Bowl, For he's sure. looking up and, and the clock is winding down and like his second dream is coming true, you know, 10, 5, 3, 2, 1. He's a Super Bowl champion. This moment came true. He goes running onto the field. The most surreal experience of his life, according to him, was he looks down on the ground and he sees a 357 Magnum gun lying there. So thank God he was in the military in the military. His training kicks in. He picks up the gun, he keeps it pointed at the ground so nobody could get uh, hurt. Security guard comes over, takes it from him. And this is all caught on camera because he's behind Sims, who of course, you know, 21 for 25, Super Bowl MVP. So now, this is how far back it goes. The CBS switchboard, yes, they had a switchboard, plugging (laughs) in the calls is flooded with calls going, why did McConkey have a gun in his helmet? So at the post-game press conference, he comes out and goes, well, you know, scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl to help my team win a championship, and I saved a couple lives. All in a day's work. <laughs> I thought that was a great story. <laughs> and it turned out, I believe, that um, one of the officers on the field had been struggling with like a fan who had ran out there. And when they tackled them or wrestled them around, dropped the gun. And so that's how it ends up on the field. McConkey thinking quickly, like you said, good thing. Military training yeah. kicks in. Yeah. He knows exactly what to do. Yeah. Um, again, a, a moment that everybody remembers about the game, but we're talking more often about what happened around the game. Yes. Uh, you also bring up the Gatorade shower, the famous Gatorade shower with Bill Parcells for that season. And how, when you were talking to these guys, did you, get to the root of like how the Gatorade shower of Bill Parcells became such a special part of that championship year. Yeah. So, you know, everybody associates it with, with, with Harry Carson and George Martin said it was a Harry Carson special. And he's (laughs) like, look, you know, you and I have talked about Parcells. He could be a tough head coach. Right. And one of the greatest head coaches of all time. He said, took a lot of gumption for that first dunk of the head coach with Gatorade, right? However, (laughs) because Parcells is so superstitious, once Harry started it, he couldn't quit it. So I'm like, (laughs) Harry, you know, I got him on the phone and he's somebody else that's been very, very good to me going back, you know, to my CBS days as well and coming on all my shows and -hmm. and always helping me out. and, uh, and, And he's just a gentleman. He goes, I have to be honest with you, it wasn't created by me. I go, what do you mean? You know, I, I followed those teams. Of course, it was created by you. Everyone associates the Gatorade with Harry Carson, captain of the team. No, 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 no. It was Jim Burke. I said, well, how did that happen? So he said, in 1985, Parcells again, was giving Burt a lot of grief because Jeff Bosick, the center of the Washington Redskins, was a heck of a center. And he's like, Burt. You can't handle him. You can't handle him. And he's giving him grief and he's riding him. And he's like, you know, you're going to be embarrassed out there on Sunday. You can't handle Bostick. And wow. he's saying it so all the other guys could hear it. So Bert went up to Harry and he goes, that bleepity, bleepity, bleep. It's a big <laughs> show sponsored by those little figurines, which we love. And Jagger will have some. 
So, <laughs> it, it, so he said it made him angry. He goes, we ought to do something. So Harry's like, well, what do you mean we, Jim? Well, we got to get him with the Gatorade. And Harry goes, what do you mean we, Jim? Well, you're his guy. We'll do anything to you if you do something. But if I did something, it's going to have my, you know, backside. And so he's like, come <laughs> on, come on, let's get him. So finally he says, okay, well, we got to wait till he takes his headphones off. I don't really want to electrocute the guy, right? <laughs> so they do it the first time in 85. Next year, they're thinking about doing it again. They open against the hated Dallas Cowboys. Who doesn't hate the Cowboys? I hate the Cowboys. You hate the Cowboys. <laughs> All Giant fans hate the Cowboys. America should hate the Cowboys, and hopefully <laughs> they do. But certainly everyone watching this podcast and will hopefully buy the book hates the Cowboys. I would think so, yeah. <laughs> the Cowboys beat the Giants in the first game, so there's no Gatorade shower. Well, the next game is against the Chargers. Well, <laughs> the Chargers had just come up beating the Dolphins 50-28. to 28. So no one gave the Giants a shot at winning that game. Well, when they won the game, boom, that was the first Gatorade shower of 86. And then because of how superstitious Parcells was, that was it. They couldn't stop doing it. It became a symbol of 86 season. And then the, my, my favorite part is that all of a sudden he starts to become, you know, creative. He's wearing a doctor's coat, a hat. And then he took famously in the Super Bowl, he got him once. But the cameras weren't on it, so he took a security guard's jacket, put it on. Because Bill, if he sees that yellow jacket, is it going to think it's anybody? And got him again for the um, for the cameras. So, you know, there were some neat stories that people were nice enough to share. Oh, this is great. And we're only touching the tip of the iceberg, of course, talking about some of the Giants highlights. This is the top 20 greatest moments in New York sports history by Todd Ehrlich. And Gary Myers. Reminder, Thursday, September 7th, 7 p.m., bookends in Ridgewood with Todd, Gary, Jim Layritz. Get your book. I'll put the link up on social media. Um, and before I before we um, talk a little bit uh, at the end here, I wanted to also point out at Super Bowl 21 and all of those stories you were talking about, I also – it resonated with me when Harry Carson said when they won and they went into the locker room. He yeah. said, you know, teams are showering each other with beer often. They're showering each yeah, other with um, champagne. And he said, you know, what we did was we took Wellington Mara and doused him in the shower. And he said we did that because he, the quote was, he was one of us. Yeah. And listen, you, you always hear about the leader Harry was and is to this day. And I've been fortunate enough to meet him several times. And, you know, that kind of quote, you know, again, you win the game, so you know they're the champions, but that's championship stuff, you know, and hearing those kind of quotes and those kind of comments, I think if you're a, a Giants or an NFL fan, has to get you really excited. Uh, remember, everybody, we are sponsored here by Bet Online. We're also sponsored by Estate 98 Coffee. It's an Essencia Day Cafe from El Salvador. You can make it in three seconds, pour a tablespoon into a glass with some ice and stir it. I do it every week, every day. When I am talking ball here on our podcast, Todd, also, before we get out of here, I got to show you this Fisher Price sent me some NFL little people, the collector series. Whoa, 
We have my little the, person would love those. We, we have the Giants here, so it's got super fans and players. And I don't know how Giants fans feel about this, but they sent me the New York Jets as well. Well, not, I mean, they can't get rid of those. It's not technically they, they, Aaron Rodgers. The giant but. ones are flying off the shelves, Pat. So they <laughs> yours early. No one's buying the jet ones, so you know they shipped them out. But so your fans know they better act fast. Because giants, little people for their little people. So your your little person would love those. You said love Jagger, David Ehrlich, love those. <laughs> you go nuts for them. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I love it. I love why you did this book. I love that you did this book. I've enjoyed reading this book, discussing it, and frankly, not just saying this because we're friends, but. Um, I think that every New York sports fan will get something new out of this by reading it, by owning it. And uh, it's a pleasure talking to you today, Todd. Good luck with the book. And um, everybody, see you at bookends on September 7th, right? Pat, thank, thank you, thank you, thank you. And, and I just want to build upon uh, one thing you said. We, we touched upon three chapters on the Giants. Um, there's 20 moments we have. Obviously, the Knicks, Joe Namath, Reggie, the Miracle Mets, Messier's Guarantee, um, the Islander Dynasty. We've got Tiger Woods. We got Arthur Ashe, Connors and Crickstein. And we got something for really everybody. And, and like you said, I did 100 interviews, including, you know, talking to Mark Messier and Joe Namath and, and, and Nystrom and Frazier and, and Marv Albert um Bucky Dent Chris Chambliss so I was I was fortunate enough that I've, I've had jobs in my career where I've gotten to know these athletes and and had them on my shows and, and become friends with them and they were gracious not only with their time but like you said was sharing stories that other people didn't know and and the last line I'll leave you with is my favorite line in this two-decade odyssey and mm. a year and a half of writing it is, Todd, I'm going to share a story with you that I've never shared before, like Stefan Mateau, 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 where the Stanley Cup cracked in half and there were two parts of it and what he had to do to put it back together. There's a million of those stories, and they were so gracious to share them with me. And I really hope that your vast audience and your fans We'll come out the bookends and we'll, and we'll buy the book. If the book's not out until um, September 19th at Barnes & Noble and it's pre-order at Amazon now, but they can have it a couple weeks early at bookends with the great Gary Myers, your dear friend, signature, and Leyritz, and I'll scribble my John Hancock if they want it. Something for every New York sports fan, the 20 greatest moments in New York sports history by Todd Ehrlich and Gary Myers. Todd Ehrlich, Pix11's executive producer of sports, and author, thanks for being here. Wow, and author. Wow. Thank you, Pat. Take care. Thanks, bud. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.